building, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light 'em up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is Tuesday, and that means let's see, it's the twenty fourth of August. Thank God, yes, we finally got summer. It's uh, we're having a heat wave. We're having a heat wave. I think that um, let's see. Uh, last night I I crawled around on my balcony trying to cool off. I stayed out there all night, most of the night. Uh, my cat was out there trying to cool off. <laughs> I made uh, many notes about the fall of empire. And then I thought about it, you know, history, that nightmare from which we can never awaken. I can't take it anymore. It's too hot. I think today I'll just cool off. I'll take a dive in the sea. I'll finish Hans Christian Andersen's story of the Little Mermaid, not the one that Disney did, you know. Ever since this disaster in the Gulf of Mexico, I've been dreaming and obsessing about the ocean, the sea, ah, uh, the seascape, the pundits. They keep telling us that the oil, the oil has gone away. You know, eighty percent of it or seventy percent unaccounted for. It's mind-boggling. By that, of course, they mean that they can't. See the oil anymore? It went down. There's a plume beginning to travel. Did they say that was what twenty-three miles across? Of course, I know where it's gone. It is. It is polluting the palace of the king of the sea. Yes, Neptune. The gods. The gods are going to. Uh, <laughs> the gods are going to rear up. And give us um, our own back. You wait and see, Hubris. Anyway, the story of the Little Mermaid—it's written in the 19th century. Uh, it is a metaphor. It's all about our journey, our search for meaning. It is, of course, loaded with 19th century masochism and sorrow. It's so strange. Um, I used to think that the 19th century. <laughs> was what do you call that unenlightened? You know that they were Victorian invalids. But uh, I think maybe I'll spend the rest of my life swimming around in the 19th century. Uh, that's what we're living in now, or maybe we're in the ninth. I don't know. Anyway, 
The story is all about a search for the divine, a search for love. You know, um, there's a little mermaid, and she uh, she's the youngest in her family, and uh, she is allowed at age 15 to swim up to the uh, shore and see what goes on. Her older sisters have done all this, and they got bored, and they went back to the ocean because they're they're just you know uh, regular mermaids. But the little mermaid, she wants something different. She wants to be a human being. Wow, uh, she wants an immortal soul. Silly child, she saves a human prince. His ship sinks, and uh, she catches him, and she carries him up to the shore and leaves him on the sand and uh, goes back in the ocean and watches while another girl, a maiden, one with legs, you know, she comes out of a convent, I think, and she finds the the prince and wakes him up, and he imagines that this is the love of his life. Anyway, somehow or another, she disappears, and the prince goes back to his palace and he's longing for this uh, girl that he saw that he thought rescued him. The little mermaid is really the one who saved his life. But uh, what she does, the little mermaid, she goes down to the bottom of the sea and she finds the sea witch. Wonderful creature. I love the sea witch. She's crawling with eels. Anyway, she takes the little mermaid's uh, voice she cuts out her tongue and she uh, she gives her, yes, uh, a magic potion. And this gifts the little girl, the little mermaid, with legs. She becomes a human being, but she, uh, she cannot sing. And that was, of course, her greatest beauty was her song. And she has to uh, settle for being a graceful dancer. But her legs... Um, are so painful she she pays for having a sex that is uh, being a human woman with horrible pain like knives going through um, going up her legs as she tries to uh, enchant the prince with her dancing uh, he's very fond of her and he says that she resembles the woman who found him on the the beach but uh, she is not of course the one she's not the one he's looking for so she suffers a great deal and of course she can't tell him what happened uh i don't know perhaps she could learn to read but anyway <laughs> uh she she says here i'll hop into the story the mermaid says uh he doesn't realize it was I who saved his life. The prince said, You have the kindest heart of them all, because you are most devoted to me, and you look like a young girl I saw once, but probably shall never find again. I was on a ship that wrecked, and the waves washed me ashore near a holy temple where there were several young girls serving, the youngest of whom found me on the shore. I only saw her twice. She was the only one I could love in this world. But you, you look like her. In fact, you almost supplant her image in my soul. 
She belongs to the Holy Temple, and that is why good fortune has sent you to me. Never shall we part. Oh, the little mermaid thought, here I carried him across the sea to the forest where the temple stands. I sat behind the foam, waiting for somebody to come, and I saw the beautiful girl, of whom he is fonder than me. The mermaid sighed deeply. She couldn't manage tears. Footnote here. Uh, mermaids cannot weep salt tears, not until they become human. The little mermaid goes on. She says, the girl belongs to the holy temple. That is what he said, so she will never come out into the world. They will never meet again, but I am with him. See him every day. I will look after him, love him, lay down my life for him. But now, the young prince is to marry, so people said, and take the neighboring king's lovely daughter to wife. That is why... He is fitting out such a splendid ship. The prince is going to have a look at the neighboring king's country. And that's, well, that's what they say at any rate. But really, uh, he's going to take a big retinue with him and have a look at the neighboring king's daughter, just, just to be polite, you know. But the little mermaid shook her head and smiled. She knew the prince's thoughts better than all the rest. He said to her, I must go. I have to go and see the princess, for my parents demand this of me. Uh, but they will not force me to bring her home as my bride, for I cannot love her. She doesn't look like the beautiful girl in the temple the way you do. If I were to choose a bride, then I should rather choose you. My little dumb foundling, with those eloquent eyes of yours. The prince kissed her red mouth, played with her long hair, laid his head against her heart, so that she began to dream of human happiness, of an immortal soul. You don't seem to be afraid of the sea, my dumb child, he said, when they stood on board the splendid ship that was to take him to the neighboring king's country. He told her about storms and calms, about strange fishes in the deep, what divers had seen there. She smiled at what he told her, for she knew better than anybody all about the bottom of the sea. During the clear moonlit night, while everybody was sleeping, except for the helmsman, the little mermaid sat by the ship's bulwarks and stared down through the clear water. She thought she saw her father's palace. On the very top stood her old grandmother, her silver crown upon her head, looking up through the swirling currents toward the ship's keel. Then her sisters came up to the surface, 
gazed mournfully at her and wrung their white hands. She waved to them, smiled. She wanted to tell them that all was well, that she was happy. But her sisters dove down again. And uh, the ship's boy came. He looked out, believing that the white something he had seen was only foam on the sea. The next morning, the ship sailed into the harbor of the neighboring king's splendid city. All the church bells were ringing. Trumpets sounded from high towers. Soldiers stood there with waving banners and winking bayonets. There were festivities every day. Balls and parties followed one upon another. But the princess still had not arrived. She was being brought up far away. Uh, she was in a holy temple, they said. There she was learning all the virtues of royalty. Finally she appeared and the little mermaid stood watching eagerly to see her beauty and she had to admit that she had never seen a more lovely figure. Her complexion was so delicate and pure, and from behind her long, dark eyelashes smiled a pair of blue-black, faithful eyes. So it is you, cried the prince, you who saved me as I lay dying on the shore. And he took his blushing bride in his arms. Oh, I am much too happy, he said to the little mermaid. The last thing I ever dared wish for has come true. You must rejoice at my happiness, for you are fonder of me than all the rest. And the little mermaid kissed his hand, and she thought she could feel her heart breaking. His wedding day would mean her death, when she would become foam on the sea. All the church bells rang out, heralds rode through the streets, proclaimed the betrothal. On all altars, scented oils burned in costly silver lamps. The priests swung their censors, and the bride and bridegroom held out their hands to each other. They were given the bishop's blessing. The little mermaid stood there clad in silk and gold. She held the bride's train, but her ears didn't hear the festive music. Her eyes didn't see the holy ceremony, for she was thinking about her death night, about all that she had lost in this world. That very evening the bride and bridegroom went on board the ship. The guns roared, flags were flying everywhere. And amidships, a royal pavilion of gold and purple had been erected. It was filled with the loveliest cushions. This was where the bridal couple were to sleep, all through the cool, quiet night. Sails billowed in the wind, and the ship glided away easily and with hardly a ripple. Sailed across the clear water.
When darkness fell, multicolored lamps were lit. The sailors danced jolly dances up on deck. The Little Mermaid couldn't help thinking about the first time she had risen to the surface, the time she had seen the same splendor and joy. She let herself be whirled into the dance. She floated the way a swallow floats when it is pursued. Everyone cheered in admiration, for never had she danced so marvelously. It was as though sharp knives were cutting into her delicate feet, but she did not feel them. The pain cutting into her heart was greater. She knew that this was the last evening she would see the prince, the person for whom she had left her family and her home, given away her lovely voice, daily suffered endless torments, without his having realized any of it. This was the last night she would breathe the same air as he, gaze at the deep sea and the starry blue sky, an eternal night, empty of all thoughts and dreams, was awaiting her. For she had no soul, and could never have one. There was joy and festivity on board the ship until long past midnight. She laughed, danced with thoughts of death in her heart. The prince kissed his lovely bride, and she played with his black hair, and arm in arm they went to rest in the splendid pavilion. All became hushed and still on board. The helmsman alone stood by the wheel. And the little mermaid laid her white arms on the bulwarks, watched for the dawn to appear in the east. For she knew that the first ray of sunshine would kill her. And then... She saw her sisters rising up out of the sea. They were pale as she, their long, beautiful hair no longer fluttered in the wind. It had been cut off. We have given it to the sea witch that she may bring help and save you from dying tonight. She has given us a knife. Look, do you see how sharp it is? Before the sun rises, you must thrust it into the prince's heart. And when his warm blood spatters over your feet, they will grow together into a fish tail, and you will become a mermaid again. Be able to dive down into the water to us. Live your three hundred years before being transformed into dead salt sea foam. Hurry. He or you must die before the sun rises. Our old grandmother is mourning so much that her white hair has fallen out, just as ours fell to the old witch's scissors.
kill the prince and come back. Hurry, can you see the red stripe in the heavens? In a few minutes the sun will rise, then you will die, and they heaved a strange, deep sigh and sank into the waves. The little mermaid drew aside the purple curtain before the pavilion. She saw the lovely bride sleeping with her head on the prince's breast. She bent down and kissed him on his beautiful brow. She looked at the sky where the dawn was growing lighter and lighter. She looked at the sharp knife, fastened her gaze once more upon the prince, who in his dreams was calling his bride by name, for she alone was in his thoughts. And the knife trembled in the mermaid's hand. But then she threw the knife far out into the waves, and they shone red where it had fallen. It looked as though drops of blood were welling up out of the water. Just once more did she gaze with half-glazed eyes upon the prince. And then she leapt from the ship into the sea. She felt her body being dissolved into foam. The sun now rose up from the sea. Its rays fell so mildly and warmly upon the deadly cold sea foam. And the little mermaid felt no death. She saw the bright red sun. High above her floated hundreds of transparent lovely creatures. Through them she could make out the ship's white sails and the red clouds in the sky, and their voices were music, but so ethereal that no human ear could hear them, nor could any earthly eye see them. Wingless, they were borne through the air by their own likeness. The little mermaid saw that she had a body just like theirs, rising higher and higher out of the foam. To whom am I going, she said, and her voice sounded like the voices of the rest, so ethereal that no earthly music could reproduce it. To the daughters of the air, answered the others. These celestial spirits, yes, she speak, they speak. A mermaid, they said. A mermaid has no immortal soul and can never possess one unless she wins the love of a human being. Her eternal existence depends upon a foreign power. The daughters of the air do not have an eternal soul either, but they are able to create one for themselves by doing good deeds. 
We fly to hot countries where the warm, pestilential air kills people. There we bring cooling breezes. We spread the scent of the flowers through the air. We bring refreshment and healing. When we have striven for three hundred years to do such good as we are able, then we are given an immortal soul and allowed to share in man's eternal happiness. Poor little mermaid, you have striven with all your heart for the same as we. You have suffered and endured, and have risen into the world of the air spirits, and now. By means of good deeds, you can create an immortal soul for yourself in three hundred years. And the little mermaid tilted her smooth arms up towards God's sun, and for the first time, she felt tears. On board the ship, there was noise and activity once more. She saw the prince with his beautiful bride. They were searching for her, sadly staring into the bubbling foam, as though they knew she had cast herself into the waves. Invisibly, she kissed the bride's brow, smiled at him, and rose, together with the other children of the air. She rose up to a rose-red cloud that was sailing through the air. In three hundred years, we shall glide like this into the kingdom of God, and we may be allowed in before too. Whispered one of them. Invisibly, we float into the houses of human beings, wherever there are children. For every day. We find a good child, one that makes its parents happy, and is deserving of their parents' love. That day, God will shorten our period of trial. Now, the child never knows we are flying through its room, and if we smile with joy, a year is taken from the three hundred. But if we see a naughty child, One that is evil, then we must weep tears of sorrow, and each tear will add a day to our period of trial. And that is the end of Hans Christian Andersen's incredible tale of the Little Mermaid. As you can see, it has absolutely nothing to do with today's. Today's interpretation. I listened once to、uh, Michael Medved, a very conservative film critic. He disapproves of Disney's、uh, film. He says that the Little Mermaid、uh, disobeys her father, and therefore、um, the movie is、uh, anti-patriarchal and and not good for little girls to see. <laughs> I can't believe what I heard. Somebody once called Michael Medved. Savonarola at the multiplex.、Oh. In any case, I think that the Little Mermaid has got to be my favorite story of pagan. What is it? Pagan angst.
uh, overcome by Christian morbidity or Christian masochism. Good and evil, suffering, suffering and death. I guess it's making a bit of a comeback. I will be back on the air on Thursday morning at 8.20. Until then, go easy. This has been Jennifer Stone. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow. Out of... The following candidate statements belong to the author of the statement only. I'm Mark Hernandez running for KPFA Local Advisory Board as part of Save KPFA. I ask for your vote to stop the corporatization of KPFA, to restore local funds and control, and to help KPFA staff better provide quality programming that our collective community needs. With your vote, we can take back control of KPFA. Vote for Mark Hernandez and Save KPFA candidates to bring back a diverse and healthy local radio station for our community. For more information, please go to www.savekpfa.org. Salud, KPFA friends, fans, and family. I'm Georgia Frazier. I'm a candidate for the upcoming KPFA Board of Directors. As the former General Sales Manager of KJAZ, I have a deep respect and love of the medium of radio. I have also contributed free marketing consultation to several community organizations. As a former public school teacher, a daughter, a sister, I have experienced the comfort of family and the power of community. I know that I can enhance KPFA's mission in this community. And it is 3.30. Please stay tuned. Coming right up here on KPFA and kpfa.org. It's time for Free Speech Radio News.